Last question. Who or what never fails to make you laugh? Who or what never makes fails to make me laugh? Welcome, everybody. It's David Cinelli. This is DC Talks Podcast. We have a special treat for you. This is the 52nd episode. Yeah, we've been doing this a whole year. And we thought we'd change it up just a little bit instead of having Owen, my little sidekick, but he's off camera right here. Um, we thought it'd be a good way to end this year with some rapid fire questions asking your host, me, <laughs> some questions about no, basically anything in life. So I asked my staff to give me some questions, um, some clients, some people. I have no idea what the questions are. I told them, listen, I wanted to be rabbit fire. I want to be off the cuff. And so, yeah, like I thought we'd have an episode on this and obviously want to see your feedback if you like this one or not. So Owen, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic at DC. You ready to start asking me some questions? Let's get rolling, baby. All right, let's get to it. All right. All right. Question number one. What's your favorite memory throughout your teenage years? So the question is, what is my favorite memory throughout my teenage years? I, honestly, I have to say it has to be a lot of my hockey journey. I don't know. It sounds funny. It's like we lived our lives within a rink, right? So we're constantly, I say we as, as, as hockey players. And one of my finest memories was probably playing hockey with my brother. I was in St. Mike's. Uh, we played, I guess it was my uh, my grade 10 and grade 11 year. We did everything together. We went to school together. You know, he drove. We played hockey together. So I would say through my teenage years was spending that much time with my brother, who's my best friend. So that would definitely be my, my favorite uh, memory. Amazing. What's an experience you've gone through that's taught you a lesson you think about every day? So, so the lesson I would say that has taught me to... Uh, really think about every single day of my life would have to be the loss of my father. Um, brought a lot into perspective for me, uh, whether it's being a dad, um, whether it's even at his funeral, I remember how many people were touched by my dad. And I thought, you know, kind of changed my legacy, I think. I think at that point, you're still kind of selfish a little bit. And I realized, you know, this world is not just about me. It's more about those that you touch and it's mm. you know people will always remember how you made them feel right they don't always remember what you say and i that and that was very profound i thought mm. at the funeral people the stories they had about him how he helped them so 100 mm. percent, that would be uh the life lesson i would uh, that changed my life would be right there on to your parents second part of that did you ever hide anything or lie to your parents about <laughs> yeah did I ever lie to my parents? Oh my God. Yeah. I was a teenage boy. We lied about everything. <laughs> uh, I remember like, you know, hiding, smoking weed. Uh, I remember hiding, uh, drinking with my brother a lot of times. I remember sometimes he'd have to. So again, when I, I used to hang out with my brother, Mike, when we were really young, uh, he was two years older than me, but we pretty much were inseparable. And so I used to go to a lot of parties when I was younger, probably shouldn't have been involved in. So yeah, we got exposed to a little more drugs probably we should have been. I don't like, you know, nothing crazy, but you know, like weed and, you know, like in some mushrooms here and there too. Uh, but I remember like one time, like <laughs> we were, we were high, we just smoked some weed and we came into the home and we were obviously had the munchies <laughs> and my mom woke up at three o'clock in the morning, made us a th like a full three course meal. And she just thought we were just really tired and her eyes were red from the smoke from the club. So mm. <laughs> sorry, mom, uh, we were high that day. <laughs> mm. What is your most memorable save as a goalie? 
the probably the most memorable save I had as a goalie uh, was probably back when I was a peewee. So, which is grade eight. Um, in grade eight, there was this peewee hockey tournament where they had this huge tournament in Quebec, mm-hmm. in Quebec City. So we got to be billeted by them, uh, by by the locals. So me and my goalie partner were we got to stay with another family. And the first game, the way that the 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 way that the tournament worked is you got to play in the Colisée. Now the Colisée is was where the Quebec Nordiques used to play, mm-hmm. and uh, basically everybody had one chance to to play in this game. If you lost, you got to go to the regulation. You got to play at the shitty little rink. But if you continued to win, you got to you got to place uh, continue to play in in the Colisée. Mm-hmm. Long story short, the game started off. We were, we were up like four one or something like that, and the other team came back and was tied four four. So the way that this worked was that. Overtime worked that you did five on five in overtime mm-hmm. for five minutes. If that didn't work, then you went four on four. If that no one scored, then you went three and three, sudden death, mm-hmm. two on two. Then it was one on one. So it was constant breakaways and stuff too. Nobody won. Then it went to the final was the shootout. And uh, I remember making that save. This is what I remember. I remember making that save and my buddy, his suad had to score the goal. And so I was a little bit nervous, you know, so I made the save. I remember it was cut in. I think it was on my glove side. And I just remember, I'm like, oh, my God, it was only the third save. And then Suet scored the game winner and the whole team rushed. And it was just an amazing feeling. So I think that whole game, all the saves, I still kind of replay that whole game because there's not just one save in there. Like the five on five, four on four, three on three. It was just, it was huge. You'll never forget this. Never forget that. Never forget that. Yeah. Uh, What is one country that you're looking forward to visit? And why? Uh, the one country I would really like to visit. It'd be great. Uh, I really would like to go visit Australia. Uh, I think that's a great country for me to visit because my wife went to uh, university there. So she knows a little bit more than, you know, she kind of talks about it a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the land down under, right? They mm-hmm. do everything a little bit different. Like I heard even like the, the way that the toilets <laughs> the flushes goes the wrong way. Weird things like that kind of like kind of, you know, uh, interest me. Plus, you know, kangaroos and koalas. I don't know. I just I think snakes that, everywhere. Yeah, snakes. <laughs> you know, like spiders snake. the size of your face or yeah. bigger, like kind of like that stuff. So snakes, I, my, my wife's scared of snakes. But no, I I, I think Australia has always been a place uh, that I really, really want to visit. Mm, okay. Now we got the country. If you could learn a new language, what would it be? <laughs> my mom's going to kill me for this. But if there's a language I would really like to learn, it's Italian. <laughs> I, I have broken Italian, as my wife says. I can understand it. But if I could be fluent in Italian, I think that would be fantastic. And this, that would be A. But I do have a second language. And I think if I can learn Cantonese mm-hmm. or Mandarin, I think that I can get just – I think just be cool. It's such, it's such a hard language to learn. I think if you have that in your back pocket, you're just ahead um, like the other white people in this, in this Yes. City. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get to know DC a little bit deeper, right? What's the worst gift you've ever received and what did you do about it? God, there's, there's been a lot of bad gifts I received. Um, but I remember, like, I'm sorry, but growing up as kids, sometimes some of the worst gifts or, well, first of all, it's nothing. <laughs> I would say that would be the worst gift. And just people look like, oh shit, I forgot about you. That's a bad mm-hmm. gift. Um, but I remember as a kid, like there's a certain family member who would always give us the worst clothing, mm-hmm. the, worst. the worst. And it would just sit in my drawer and then we would donate it the next year. So mm-hmm. yeah, I know that's probably the worst gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember one time my aunt, who actually got like my other aunt, um, uh, another aunt who's another family member, she got me like this really expensive stuff. 
But I just, I wanted, I was a kid, right? Like it was, it was a dress shirt and it was dress pants and they were really nice Italian stuff. But dude, I was like, I wanted a toys. <laughs> so I was, I started crying. Mm-hmm. I was like nine or something like that too. And I was like, anyway, yeah. I'd Not the it. best response you should have from a, from a kid, but anyway. yes, I know you're married, but what? Yeah, I'm married. What yeah. was your ideal? What's your ideal first date? Oh, and I haven't been on a first date in a very long time. Well, so well, I, uh, it's hard for me to answer that question. Well, I, well, if well, I was doing a first date, uh, if you're taking out on a first date right now, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going. If you're taking out on a first date right now, what would it be? At the time of the year, I think it matters. Uh, so if I was to take somebody in this time of year, if it's a winter time, I think taking them like skating would be really cool because you get to know them. They teach something you're really good at mm-hmm. and kind of like, it's more of an intimate kind of thing. You got, if she doesn't know how to, if Natalie didn't know how to skate, I can help her. Like we'd fall around. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool to kind of snuggle. It's very together. romantic. It's romantic. Yeah. And go for like, so eat some street meat while you're on there, especially if you're in Nathan Phillips Square here. Like they have all those really cool food trucks and everything mm-hmm. over there too. And like, I don't want to do something too crazy expensive. Like I wouldn't want to do the typical, just do a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do on a first date. You never want to do uh, like a movie theater. Cause you never really talk. You never really see each You're other. Just looking straight ahead. Yeah. And I also don't want to do a bar because I might get into the sauce a little bit. Yep. Be a little too nervous. Start you talking know? reckless. Yeah, I start talking reckless. And yeah. yeah, just yeah. So I wouldn't want to do that. So I think a, a perfect first day would be like skating and and uh, holding hands and going for some hot chocolate afterwards. Amazing. What makes you feel at peace? Is that cliche? Yeah. <laughs> is it no? Is, is that kind of cliche? Because uh, a hockey player, we don't really get to enjoy skating, and yes. I think that's one of the reasons why I think skating schools it, it takes me out of my element, but it's mm-hmm. still kind of like. But you still have like a. Uh, the powerful stride as a skater. So you're confident in yourself, but it's right. It's show off a little bit. Exactly. But also, but I don't have my equipment on too. Mm -hmm. It's like, we never as hockey players really get to enjoy skating. Mm -hmm. So when my kids were skating and learning how to skate with them too, it was fun for me again. I got to hold their hands and stuff too. And I think it was, that was kind of cool. That's why I chose skating as, as, as a first aid. So anyway, I I wanted to emphasize that a little bit. I like that. I can see you guys doing that. Uh, What makes you feel at peace? What makes me feel at peace is having mental stability. Um, what makes me feel at peace, especially in the morning, is what I do is I like to ground myself. Mm-hmm. And what recently we've been doing is when I wake up, especially since I had the the brain issue we had last year with the AVM, you realize that life is very precious and anything can be changed from you in any minute. Um, so when I wake up in the morning, one of the first thing I want to do is I pray and I say, thank God for who I am, that I'm alive. It's funny. I try to tell my kids, it's like, mm-hmm. you're not guaranteed when you go to bed at night that you're going to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. So what grounds me that is like, is coming from a position of thanks as opposed to wanting of need. I need to do this. I need to do that. Mm-hmm. No, like when you sit back and you say, and you're thankful for all that you have, and you get to sit back and it's like, it changes your perspective. And I find that grounds me. It's like the hustle and bustle is like, is, is gone. It kind of dissipates and mm-hmm. it sets up the mood for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. When you enter this world every morning with a position of thank you, go, man, mm-hmm. it just opens up so much part of your soul that it just kind of grounds you and sets you at peace. Mm-hmm. What makes you feel the most accomplished? What makes me feel the most accomplished is a great question. And a lot of people think maybe with the degrees I've had or maybe the awards I've won. Um, but I don't feel, I won't feel accomplished until my kids are set in life and have direction in their life and, and are solid. Like they're still young. They're 11 and 13. 
So I think I'm still a work in progress. I I am don't feel accomplished. I still feel like I always have to work on myself, and I think that's a good thing. I'm I think I'm a great realtor, but I still think there's always room for improvement. And if I if I sat on my uh, if I sat on my laurels, I won't be a great realtor. I'll be I just become average because mm-hmm. if you're just doing same thing you're doing today as you're doing tomorrow, mm-hmm. that means you're not honing in your craft. So I think there's always room for potential. But my kids, oh man, like. I think that would be my sense of accomplishment when I can look at them and say that they're like able to flourish. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's. I think that's that's a huge part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one of your personality traits are you the most proud of? I thought you were going to ask me which part of which one of my personalities are my post. <laughs> I guess if I'm like the split over here, I think I think there's a lot of good personality traits I have, which I think are. Are very, are very personal to me. I think I, I like the fact that I have a sense of humor. I make people laugh. I think that mm-hmm. makes them feel at ease. Um, but I think it's my giving spirit. I think is one of my traits because I got into this business to help people, uh, and I think also that that was my path. That's what I'm supposed to be here for. And I find that the more that I give, the more that I get. So I think that my Thanksgiving spirit. I don't know how you call that. My whatever you call that. That spirit. I think by for me, giving to other people is the trait that I would take to see that I would hold the most dear to my heart. Okay. Do you believe in second chances? I believe 100% in second chances. I believe in second chances in life. I believe in second chances in love. I believe in second chances with God. I believe in second chances over and over and over again. Mm. And why do I say that? I am married to my high school sweetheart, which we broke up twice. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't believe in second chances, I would didn't deserve a second chance or a third chance, I should say. Uh, and she gave me my chance, and I'm here for that. Um, second chance at my career, like think of our careers, uh, even a hundred percent. Now, if somebody is ruthlessly going after you and asking for a second chance, and they're doing things over and over again, and you know their head and their heart that they don't give a shit about you, then no, no, mm-hmm. no, that's not a second chance. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, if you're wholeheartedly made a mistake, 100%. What's the first thing you look for in a friend? The first thing I look for in a friend? Yeah. The first thing I would look for in a friend is their heart, the genuine, uh, how genuine they are. Yeah. Um, you can just, you can just tell by their spirit when they're with you, um, how you feel, how they, and the other thing is I look for in a friend is how they treat other people because their true spirit comes out. And I'm very good at, at at helping people. And I also give people a lot of the benefit of the doubt. And I try not to use my gut too much sometimes when I meet people, but it ends up being right. So uh, I trust my gut a lot of times, but I want them, they have to have a very similar uh, goals, like uh, goals and personalities and just the same spirit as I mm. have. That would, be the, the, that would be what I look for in a friend. What is your biggest irrational fear? My biggest irrational fear... <sighs> I don't know. Like as I used to fear more things. I used to fear of dying. I used to be fear of being alone. I used to fear of of shaming. I'm not. I'm not afraid of them anymore. Um, I'm always afraid of death. I'll be honest. The other like the other week, uh, I, I was fighting a sickness and I thought I had died. And I woke up and I just middle of the night. I said and I thought I died. And I just said no, 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 no. And I wasn't saying. I just. It, it was an ultimatum. Whether you like, I remember you ever have these dreams where somebody says to you and they're like. 
you can't breathe. You're everything like, so you try to hold your breath and then you start breathing like, oh my God, I just died. Yeah. And I woke up and Natalie woke up. She's like, what happened? I'm like, I thought I died. And it was, it was I wouldn't say it's irrational. I think it's more of a rational fear. But the reason why it was rational, I, I still feel like I have a lot to do and I'm not ready to die yet. I still, again, we don't merit our, our there's nothing we can do in this life in order to earn our way into heaven. You know that. But there's still things I'm working on myself to make myself more perfect, right? I'm just, I'm not ready yet, right? I'm just not ready. I haven't filled all these things in life. So I don't know if it's a rational fear of dying, but I think we I still have a fear of dying. I don't want to die yet. As much as I love God and, and, and I'm close, I think we, I can still get closer with God. You know, it's crazy that my follow-up question after that was, do you think our dreams have hidden meanings? Oh, 100%. Uh, I was reading an article the other day about dreams and they said, do you have hidden dreams? One of this article said to me is about your dreams is that God is trying to speak to you in your dreams and Satan's trying to pull them away from you. So when you wake up in the morning, try to remember the dream that you had because there's hidden meanings. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I think that's 100% true. I do believe in dreams. And let's be honest, a lot of times, that's how I, a lot of times I talk with my dad mm-hmm. and he talks to me about certain things. I can't do like, but whenever I need comfort, he's there too. So I, I take a lot in that too. So I, I take dreams very, very seriously. I also want to add to that. Um, there's one quote I heard like where it says, prayer is you telephoning to God and intuition is God telephoning to you. So I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you want I thought to- there was a question on that. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, as I, I don't want this to slip, so I just want to add it in there. Sure. Uh, when you want to give up, what keeps you going? When I want to give up, what keeps me going is my family. Um, I have pictures of my family on my phone. I have my daughters. They're in my office. Uh, they're in my house. Uh, that's what gets me going from the day to day and, and makes me realize why I do what I do. And then I talked on a previous other uh, podcast before. It's like I also do things in my life to give me a little push to make sure that I'm still doing the right things like mm-hmm. i have like for example i like buy what nice watches i wear nice watches and i drive a nice car and it's not for the fact that things it's not the flashiness it's not why i buy that stuff to me what it reminds me is like i have to afford this if you like this stuff you have to keep going when you know with my car payments where i was in the past like you know i, I bought out my car now but long story short but what will get me going is every time i stepped in my car it's like you got to go to work today you have to go to work today if you like this car you have to continue to work, keep pushing. So there were like reminders to me every single day to keep going. You know, but when you get really deep and down in it, like you just go with your family and your family is a little bit more of a reminder, but I like to have both of those. Sometimes it's like a little bit subtle reminders and then like, you know, over the head reminder, it's like you're doing this for them. In my listing presentation, when I meet with my potential sellers, I think page slide three or four is a picture of my family. And I say, this is why I just, I put it out there. I said, this is why I do what I do. And I want to make sure that by me helping you, I'm helping them as well. Like I want to make sure you know that I am doing this for you because I also have a family myself. I know exactly where you're at. Mm. Um, When do you feel the most loved? When do I feel the most loved? Oh, and that's a hard one. Um, sometimes I don't always feel loved <laughs> um, and it's not because of the wife or the kids it's just sometimes you feel isolated from them you feel like you're working all the time and what are you doing this for sometimes you know mm. you just don't always feel that um, but what I feel the most love is when we have like my family together we're sitting around the table mm-hmm. and like 
we start, we have an ongoing game uh, of sequence. <laughs> Thanks to my mom. And uh, it's me and Mila versus Natalie and, and Matea. And it's just, we joke around and stuff too. And they know intimately about what everything we kind of joke around. Like, I feel love there from my intimate family. Mm-hmm. And then for my clients, um, when they, when I have parties and get togethers and stuff, and then just them, acknowledging and saying thank you even if they can't come they say thank you so much they just those little notes and stuff like makes me feel loved it does it mm-hmm. really does yeah mm-hmm. i know that might sound cheesy but it's like but you remember i've, I've talked to you before and my clients are that listen to this know that they're part of my family you know they're that's that's not a joke mm-hmm. they, they do become part of my family yeah you know um are you superstitious about anything I used to be superstitious about a lot of things, especially when it came to hockey. Um, but superstition wasn't like you're thinking I had to pray to like was it Juju, whatever from uh <laughs> from uh was it, it was like the, the the baseball game uh with uh Charlie Sheen. Um anyway, no, it wasn't like superstitious praying to gods and all that kind of stuff too, but it's like how I put on equipment mattered because it was like it was a sequence because it was a ritual I would do, and I still do to this day, because then Again, I do things in certain sequences, mm-hmm. including when my listing comes in. I do certain rituals or superstitions in a sequence to make sure that I have all the, the, the checked all the boxes. Now, if something erratic comes in, it doesn't work out. It wasn't because my process wasn't done properly. Mm-hmm. It's like a checklist I have. So my checklist would kind of be my superstitions. No, I don't believe in like bad luck or good luck. And sometimes I kind of, well, sometimes I do that kind of stuff, but I mostly, but when I get a gift from God, for example, like I, I know what it is. That's mm-hmm. not superstition or a luck. That's just like him giving you a little tidbit saying, hey, here you go. Thanks. Mm. Thanks for listening to me. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, who's a celebrity lookalike you've been told you look like? I've been told I look like uh, Tom Hardy. And I've told I look like uh, Adam, uh, Andy Sandberg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the two biggest ones. I don't really see the Tom Hardy. Andy Sandberg, when I was smaller <laughs> and, and skinny without, uh, I can see that a little bit more. But yeah, those are the two celebrities I mostly get associated with. Okay. If you won the lottery today, let's say you won about $20 million, yep. what would you? What, what are the first couple of things you'll be doing? If I won the lottery around $20 million, what would I do? Good question. Um, probably not much what you would think, right? Um, I would see who needed the money, like somewhere close. I don't know if I'd use it all myself. I don't definitely didn't. Um, I continue to work because I love what I do. Um, and I probably buy more properties with it, set up kids somewhere that way. I see if I can, there's some sort of charity thing that, which again, that we could help out that because $20 million is, could make a difference. So, so I use 10 of it to, to help people. And then tell you to invest. Yeah, I would invest in somehow because I like properties and stuff too. But I, again, with, with I still have mortgages. But I wouldn't pay off mortgages. You don't want to pay off a mortgage even if you win the lottery. And the reason why is you can you get the tax benefits of, for the interest, right? So it's it's better to own 10 properties that have mortgages on it than one property that has no mortgage on it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like, even if this is the equivalent is the same amount of money mm-hmm. because you're able to spread out your expenses and then, the more properties have, like when the income increases, it can earn you more money, mm. right? So yeah, so I wouldn't, if you were going to invest in a property, it wouldn't be just one, it'd be multiple. Mm. Would you buy a bigger house? No, 
You like you love the house. I, you... I've, if I won the lottery, I wouldn't buy a bigger house. I think we have the house I love. You know, yeah. I love it. I, there's there's certain things I probably want to do. Maybe I'd have a nice cigar smoking room. Like Natalie and I talked about that, either in the basement or upstairs. So I would modify the house we currently have. But I love the location where I live. I love the house. We, and we've only been there two years, not even in February, it'd be two years. So, um, yeah, winning lottery. I wouldn't. I don't need that. And I don't. I'm not a car guy, so I I don't see me spending money on like. A, a Ferrari, like I drive a nice Porsche. I mean, you've seen my Porsche. It's nice. It's it's but it's not a nine eleven where I like drive. I drive my car all year round, and the reason why I like my car is that mm. I drive it all year round. It's great in the snow. Uh, I'm able to put my signs in the back. I'm like, and my kids fit in it comfortably, and it's got enough power that I don't need a sports car like a Ferrari or Lamborghini or stuff. Too, I don't know. I don't think I need those at that point. And you can only drive one car at a time anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like to collect watches. Out of your watch collection, what's your most favorite watch? Out of my watch collection, I have probably two favorite watches. And they're probably not the ones that you think. Um, my wife gave me uh, my Tissot watch, I think, on her first anniversary. It's the mm. square one. Uh, so it's probably one of my favorites. And the second one is a Michael Kors. Like, it's a ceramic one. And that one my wife gave me for my... Uh, my first father's day. Mm-hmm. So even those ones, they don't really, I don't change the batteries. I don't wear them, especially the Michael Kors is very fragile. I broke it so many times. I'm like, I just keep it in my case. Most of the time I've worn on the podcast a couple of times, but, uh, uh, I like that one because it reminds, first of all, that life is fragile. <laughs> you know, it it kind of reminds <laughs> it. So you have to keep it in the case sometimes. Um, but yeah, the watches that I would say that I, those are the two, like, I like my Rolexes for, for every day. And I like those because they're investment purposes, uh, purposes. Mm-hmm. So if you were to buy a watch, if you're looking for investment, you never lose your money on hundred percent gold Rolexes, um, if you can afford them. But, uh, but that, that doesn't mean that they, they mean the most here. Yeah. What's your favorite scent? My favorite scent. Yeah. Cologne. My favorite, oh, the cologne that I wear. So my favorite scent I wear cologne right now is, uh, it's Louis Vuitton, uh, ombre, ombre, something like that. Or, uh, I forget what it's called, but my wife doesn't like that. Uh, but growing up as a kid, we used to wear, I, I used to like the cheap, uh, the Versace blue jeans was always like, like, you know, the Italians back in the day, like, you know, like us young Italians, like my brother, like these, like Milizia. I never really got into Milizia, mm-hmm. but as a kid, I really liked, uh, CK1. Uh, sorry, uh, CK Obsession and CK Ar- uh, Eternity were still kind of two of the favorites that stuck in my mind. Mm. Uh, I thought you were saying scents, you know, like flowers. And I'm like, I hate flowers. Hate flowers <laughs> I, not flower? I, I don't understand flowers. What's I hate, I just hate flowers. They remind me of funeral homes. I think for me, flowers just like, ugh. You're they like die. a romantic scent? Oh, you don't get them for your wife? I just don't know which, I personally don't know what flowers look nice or not. Mm. So I don't know which, and they die pretty quickly. Mm. Okay. Why are you buying something you've already killed? Yeah. <laughs> we got a couple more here, DC. Sure. All right. What is your favorite cocktail to make? So my favorite drink is a Negroni. Yes. And it has vermouth. It has uh, gin and uh, Campari. Yeah. That's my favorite drink. And it's easy to make. That's my very easy. Like, it's very easy very to make. Easy. Yeah. Very easy. Uh, oh, wait a second. My second favorite drink to make is a slightly dirty martini. Uh, and I like, and I like good vodka. It all depends on the vodka you put in a martini. Now I like Grey Goose vodka, and I know like, and I like certain vodkas. I don't, I don't do cheap. I don't do Smirnoff and that stuff too. Like Kettle One, I like as well. And I do like, like good I, stuff. And I like it a little dirty. Yes, I like it a little dirty, yeah. extra dirty. Okay, yeah. what is uh, your favorite kind of meat? <sighs> My favorite kind of meat. 
my favorite kind of meat. Okay, so I would probably have to say steak. Yeah. <laughs> so like what my cut of steak has changed. Now I used to like a, a New York strip loin back and I like it medium rare. I like it closer on the rare side. I don't like it blue. And I used to think I liked it rare, but now when I go to them, they almost make it raw. So when I go to steakhouses, um, but now I, I like the ribeye because ribeye's got a little bit more marbling in it and it has a great flavor to it. I no longer eat pork. Uh, pork hurts my stomach. Um, but I used to really like a good pork chop as well. So yeah, my mom used to make some really good pork chops back when we were younger with some rice and some gravy. It was really good. Sounds so good. Delicious. Sounds delicious. Last question. Last question. Who or what never fails to make you laugh? Who or what never makes fails to make me laugh? It's got to be Natalie. <laughs> I think, you know, we, we spend so much time together and it's like, even when she's mad at me, sometimes she makes me laugh. And it's like, like stupid memes like we've been doing. Like we are the typical couple. Like we'll go to the bathroom, send each other like 15 memes. And it's just, we'll sit beside each other. And like, and it's, it's cute, I guess. But it's like, but we've known each other so long. Like my wife and I have basically known each other most of our lives. Like we got to remember we, we met when I was in grade seven and she was in grade eight. We started dating when I was in OEC. That used to be for you guys who don't know what OEC was. I was grade 13 and she was in grade 12. I was 18, I think at the time and she was turning 17. So yeah, I'm 45 years old now. So it's like, it's, so we kind of know how to push each other's buttons. We also, we can also get under our skin and make each other irate. But I think, consistently she makes me laugh all the time yeah mm. yeah i know we talk a lot about the families we spend so much time with each other yeah. right so yeah, yeah. But okay. i also really know how to annoy my wife really quickly well everybody i hope you enjoyed this you know rapid fire question to ask it's a little bit different than the dc talks podcast i hope you enjoyed the journey we've had so far this year we can continue sending you contact next year starting in january we're really looking forward to you know sending you all this amazing content uh if there are any things you if there are any topics you want us to talk about, any conspiracy theories you want me to touch on, a little bit more of the rapid fire, obviously we'd like to hear from you. So reach out. Again, you're following along uh, with your YouTube. You can always like and subscribe and send your comments there. Or you can always follow along wherever you're listening to uh, for your podcast. But again, we'd like to hear from you. You're our listener. So again, like and share this and continue to comment. We absolutely love you and we appreciate all of you that have been following along this past year. And here's to another amazing year for season two of the DC Talks podcast. We'll see you all soon.